Hello, fierce parents. I am so thrilled. Today we have a special episode in store for you. It is an interview with none other than the great Dr. Frederick, my dad. He is a counselor. He has been for over three decades. He specializes in anxiety, depression, and sexual disorders. And he's here to talk to me today. I interviewed him and to talk to you by extension about the topic of pornography and namely how do we begin to prepare uh, our hearts and our minds to address the issues of surrounding pornography pornography itself in the lives of our children in the lives of our uh, budding teenagers and we also talked about how to address addictions or behaviors that maybe our children are beginning to develop around pornography namely you know with the use of their phones and things like that. And so uh, this was a very encouraging conversation for me, even talking to my own dad. I learned something despite having spoken to him for the entirety of my life, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have him with me today on the Fierce Parenting Podcast. So Selena and I both hope it blesses you immensely. You learn something tangible, and we point you to Christ in this area of your parenting life. So we'll see you on the other side. This is Fierce Parenting, where we believe that kids are a blessing, family is God's idea, and everything about parenting is discipleship. So leave the blame, shame, could-ofs, and should-ofs at the door and join us for gospel-centered conversations. Welcome to Fierce Parenting. All right, Dad, Dr. Frederick. Thank you. Welcome to the show. This is exciting. I'm excited to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Dad, how, how are you feeling? Excited to be here. This is, <laughs> this this is not normal for you. This is an honor. It's an honor. Thank yeah, it's you. It's probably a little weird seeing me in this mode because you get to see me in not podcast mode. That's <laughs> so, right. Um, so, Dad, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I obviously know, you know, you. <laughs> Growing up with a shrink in the house was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but tell for our listeners, how long have you been practicing? What are your specialties? And uh, yeah, it'll it'll help inform kind of the context as we as this conversation unfolds. This is a sensitive topic, as many parents know, and so we're hoping to tackle it honestly. But uh, we want them to know that they have they're in good hands. So, how long have you been a practicing psychologist? Is that what? the right term, psychologist? Well, counselor. Really? No, counselor. Counselor. Okay. okay. My doctorate's in psych. Okay. Yeah, so. Well, we started the practice, Turn Christian Counseling, in 1987. And the goal was to have Christian therapy available to people, quality therapy. And our specialty is anxiety and depression. And then out of a retreat that I had done years and years ago, I became astutely aware of the need for um, someone to specialize and to write a book on uh, pornography. And specifically the addiction of the addiction yes yeah. and so that was done back in the 70s and so that's when we wrote and really started out the process of saying this needs to be addressed so the i'm confused you started the practice in the 80s in the 70s pornography was already something people were addicted to no it's just coming out the vcrs when when vcr came out and they became so prevalently available that men particularly did not need to go to a special store and get a magazine, you know, sneak in and sneak out. They could actually just do it right in their own home. Pornography took a huge spike. Gotcha. And it's only gotten more prevalent, unfortunately. Oh, yes, with the Internet. So Turn Christian Counseling is the name of the practice. And I like 
the name people always think turn t-u-r-n but it's not that right it's something else it's t-e-r-n named after the little bird that's in the gull fact you know um the gull uh species and it's catchy i like it but it's turn christian council don't they have the longest migration pattern or something like that Is yes that one of the reasons why no. around the world they fly and, and so the change that is possible yes. through the gift of counseling. <laughs> Thank the you. The long migration yes. from A to B. Um, so today we're tackling this topic, and uh, I do appreciate you, Dad, taking um, taking the time because as our parents that are listening to this know, you know, and it's not a mystery any longer, like pornography is not as taboo as it used to be in terms of the church talking about the, the effects it has both in adults' lives but also kids' lives. But this prevalence of pornography... Um, over the last, I'll say, 12 years, since really the advent of the smartphone uh, and the the advent of what uh, some have called the attention economy, in that every app developer, every device designer, they are all in tune with trying to get and keep attention. Because if they can keep attention, they can siphon ad dollars into their platform, into their whatever their app is. They can sell. They can sell you stuff if they have your attention. So. Part of that is, so the addictive properties of a phone, the device itself, how easy is, is it to swipe on a phone? How intuitive is that? Um, but then also the addictive nature of the software, the applications, the apps that are now on these phones. So it's creating a, a very unique kind of perfect storm in terms of how children are becoming not just addicted to phones, but then every other sort of addiction that goes along goes alongside that. So yes, pornography has a very unique addictive quality to it. And so the question we want to tackle here is if as parents, how can we a be be vigilant in this area and not in equipping protection is a piece to it, but just, I think, co-traveling with our children in this journey in the digital age that we're in so that we're not just kind of putting the blinders on, putting our head in the sand, but how can we walk alongside them and educate and disciple them around this issue of pornography? That's the first question. And the second line of questioning will be, uh, how do we then, if if they're already imbibed pornography, if they've already be, even become addicted in some cases, how do we begin walking with them out of that addiction? And so I guess that's my first question to you is, imagine the parent who has maybe a three, four, five-year-old. They can see kind of on the horizon the struggles that are coming. How can they prepare themselves and their children to deal with the topic of pornography? Well, in the broader sense, you have to start out with a relationship. The relationship with that child starts at the very youngest of age mm-hmm. to be a part of their lives. And I want to make it clear too, Ryan, it's not just the boys that are into pornography. Hmm. Girls are also now Interesting. Being, yeah. being trapped and being uh, caught into it. Yes, the industry will go after the boys primarily, but they'll go after the girls with a romantic twist to it or a mm. story twist to it, and then it goes right into the graphic you know, description and the graphic pictures. That seems disturbing to me that, I mean, not, I guess that makes sense that they would use kind of the emotional draw of a relationship to then lure them into this. But they're, on some sense, it's almost like they're trying to normalize these types of sexual acts, this type of oh, sexual exploitation. Very much. And very the much. young men sometimes would help, would aid them in that process because they're wanting the young, you know, the, they're wanting to normalize it as well because it's it's playing to some base desires that they have, right? Exactly. So. Exactly. So you want to de- you want to determine that, you know, young people are going to have some healthy sexual issues, sexual curiosity, sexual identity, sexual, you know, drives 
because that's all part of their development. Mm-hmm. So the key is that your relationship is not just focusing on their sexuality, but the whole kid, you know, the whole person. You know, what are they doing with their sports? What are they doing in, in their academics, their social life? What are they interested in? So building that relationship that says, we talk about everything, and therefore we can naturally talk about this as well. Hmm. Interesting. Teaching, teaching our children at a very young age through our own examples, and it includes the grandparents, and the parents, but you know, teaching them through the church and mm. the people that you associate with, what is healthy sexuality? Mm. And what does the Bible say? What's the difference between what God says that is to be pure and to be beautiful and to be respectful versus what the industry is teaching, which is you know, perverted? Wow. It, I love that. Well, I want to jump in because you, you touched on it, and I just want to draw it out a little bit more, is this idea of teaching them what is right and wrong. You're, you're drawing the lines in the sand and saying, uh, you're asking these questions. Now let me instruct you in what God's answers to these questions are. What is healthy spiritual, spiritually speaking, biblically speaking, what is healthy human sexuality? That's the teaching piece. But then there's a, a training piece. So there's teaching them, giving them the knowledge, the information. Now, how can we train our children in the way they should go. We, we, we walk alongside them. I think in our uh, conversation beforehand, you're saying they have check-ins, like walk, holding their hands. Like sometimes I think there's this weird um, thought among parents that kids should have some level of privacy. Is that, is that biblical for, for kids to have privacy for even like a 15, 16, 17 year old to have what kind of privacy is, is right and justified? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Do they deserve that? Yes. I think they do, out of respect, they do need that. But it, just as we would hold their hands to go across the parking lot, or we would hold their hands in any dangerous situation, hmm. we need to hold their emotional hands, their mental hands, with this subject of pornography. Hmm. So making it a topic of discussion that is not uncomfortable for them to talk about, and showing them still respect, hmm. and showing them that you do care what their opinion is, and you want to have a dialogue with them. Don't just lecture, listen. Mm. Listen to what they think. Listen to what they have to say going on at school or with their friends. Then you're able to respond to them in that loving, very loving way to say, honey, this is, this is really what was right, and this is what we believe is a Christian family. And let me show you some verses, some actual Bible verses that talk about purity and yeah. talk about marriage and talk about where our eyes are to go and what we are to to resist the devil. And those scriptures are easy to find and to say, this is the right way to go. Yeah. And I want to share some of those scriptures next. I want to, again, tease out another thing you said is we're walking alongside them, almost like you would walk with a toddler across the street. And I think so often we expect our children to be developmentally beyond where they actually are, especially when it comes to the things that they may, we can't see, their emotional development, their sexual development, the things that we tend are, we tend to either overlook or we just don't want to look because it's awkward, right? The sexual development's a piece of that. So when it comes to this navigating the tricky kind of minefield that it is, the porn-saturated culture that we live in, what, what I hear you saying is that don't leave your kid to cross that road alone. They're going to get pummeled by a bus. Yes. Walk it with them. Not that we're somehow approving of 
the pornography. We're, we're helping them navigate so they don't get hit by that bus, right? Yes. Because the road is dangerous. Or just like you wouldn't let a toddler just root around under the kitchen sink and let them drink whatever bottle they find. You would stop them from doing that. You yes. would tell them, this one's bad, this one's good. And you would have a very active hand in that. Yes. And so when it comes to, okay, so I'm picturing the you know, 14-year-old young boy or a young girl, and they've got their own smartphone. They're in their room at night, okay? What relationship should the parent have with that child and their phone and their internet use at that time? What kind of questions should a parent be asking? And by the way, I'll I'll reverse that. I don't actually think a child should have a smartphone in their room at night by themselves. I agree. That's a a very clear boundary that that we intend to set. And I, I think our friends, Nathan and Anna, who do, they spend their whole lives talking about digital addiction, they have said that um, as well on our blog. So what questions can a parent be asking that child um, when they have a hunch that I kind of think they're getting into stuff they shouldn't be getting, getting into? What kind of questions? Well, the first one would be, you know, what are you doing? It's bedtime. It's you need your sleep. You're growing. You need to have a full night's sleep. And so may I please ask what you're doing? And they're going to come back and say, well, I'm just talking to my friends. You know, I'm just chatting. We're just texting. And what are you texting about? You know, or they'll say, well, I'm just, you know, just Googling different subjects, just kind of exploring what's out there on YouTube. Well, what are you exploring on YouTube? Can I see it, please? Mm. Now, there's a key phrase. (laughs) Now, you may run into some conflict. They go, no, no, you can't. I don't want you to see it. Dad, I want my privacy. Why are you invading my privacy? It's my room, my phone. Well, it's not your phone. It's my phone. (laughs) I'm the one paying the bill. (laughs) And it's like any other tools, like when you drive the car, we're not going to let you just drive the car any place you want. We're going to have, you know, driver's training Hmm. and we're going to have some restrictions on, you know, when you can use the car. And it's a privilege to use it, not a right. Hmm. But I do like to see, please, and I use the word please, I want to see what's on YouTube. I'd like to see the history, please. Hmm. And I'm doing it not because I'm a police person. I'm doing it because I'm your parent Hmm. and I love you. Yeah, one of the things uh, you said in our talk beforehand is uh, we can encourage parents in this space to not, you're not the, your child's friend. You can, you can have a friendship with them, but that's not your primary relationship to them is not their friend. You are the parent. We have a whole episode. It was, I think, three or four weeks back. We said, you be the parent. Don't relegate the responsibilities and the gifts and the, I guess, the joy of being your child's parent, actually fulfilling that role in their life. And I think asking these questions and not letting them gaslight you, not letting them skirt the yes, issue. Yes. But saying, no, it's time. Like I ask now, you need to give me the phone so I can see your history. Obviously, if you're if you're avoiding that, then there's something that needs to be talked about. If you're saying I can't see the history, then that is an answer in itself, right? It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. And you know, remember that your child wants your approval. They That's want good. a relationship with you. They want you to be part of their lives. Even if their behavior and their actions out there shows you otherwise i say yeah your job is to is to lovingly again say i i, I am your parent i am going to check on you but i'm going to check on you when you get into dating hmm. okay i'm going to check on you you know on your grades we have we have that conversation on a regular basis you know i am actively involved and in that we want to be part of your life and it's our job as parents to guide you and to teach you what we believe is biblical what is righteous, what is right, Mm. what is pure. That's our job. So let me help you. And you'll find that your student, your child, will respect you for it. 
They will. They'll come back and say, okay, somebody does care. Mm. You know, because obviously the pornography doesn't care. Mm. The people that are exposing him to it doesn't care. And the schools aren't going to care. I mean, they're not going to respond. So you're the one voice that says Mm. loud and clear, you're important. I see you. I care about you. And I am going to love you through this. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And even um, a youth pastor wouldn't even necessarily care. They, they do care, but they don't have the same sway that a parent has in the life of the child. They're not spending as much time. Even, the, even, if the youth path, even if the youth pastor, excuse me, is telling them, hey, kids, pornography is bad. Don't go there. It's not going to have as much sway as a parent does. Is That's right. Saying. That's right. So you, you sent me some verses before. You did awesome prep, by the way. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. Best prepped guest ever. So, <laughs> very thorough. A true gentleman. Uh, this one I loved. It's Luke 11, and it speaks. There's two main passages that he sent that I really love, and I'll just read them here, and then we can kind of talk through them. And then we'll get into more specific questions about how to walk out of maybe an established addiction that a teenage teenage child might have or even a young tweenager might have. And it's Luke 11, 33 through 36 says this. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. This is the key part. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, that those are always big, important statements, big, important words in scripture. Therefore, because of this truth, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. I love those words. So reminding them, saying what you are taking in through your eyes has consequences. Correct. Now you've dealt with a lot of young people in your practice. Many. Would you say there's a pretty clear indication when you bring, when a child comes in and they have a clear, maybe digital addiction of some sort that there's maybe a dimness about them in their, in their eyes. I'm asking you this on the spot, so I apologize, but is there, I'm asking, is there a, like a visible, noticeable as a, as a counselor, somebody who kind of knows how the human mind works, is there a difference between kids who are suffering from maybe eyes that are taking in darkness versus eyes that don't? Yes, there is. Instinctively, they know that this is wrong. Hmm. Okay. They have that gut feeling that says, I need to keep this a secret. I'm uncomfortable talking about it. And I really don't want to make it your business. It's my business. So there is some depression or there can be some anxiety. Those are things that we specialize in, but you know, they're anxious about it and they're, and they're nervous about it because they know that they've done something that they're uncomfortable with Mm. because watching that type of of, uh, pornography is very degrading. Um, It's very graphic and it's degrading to both the male and the female. And it is, invasive to their to their spirits it's invasive to their hearts mm. it's invasive it's to their very their very beliefs that they know this isn't right that isn't right and i don't know how to process it i don't know what i'm supposed to do with it because i know other people other friends that are doing it and if it's you know a young boy or young girl it's also sexually arousing and that may be new to them yeah and how that affects their bodies and they know that you know, doing things is is a private matter. Yeah, and and I, I, you use the word. There's some depression there. There's some anxiety there, and that just to me echoes exactly what 
Luke is writing here, recalling here, says he says, if your if your if uh, if your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. What I hear you is like that anxiety, that depression, is what that might look like. Exactly. Is that that light? Because children have a light that is different, right? And then yes. that, it's snuffed out by something. And it, by God's grace, you know, we don't want our kids' light, so to speak, to be ever snuffed out by sin and darkness. We can't protect them from everything. And so that's why I think this warning is so crucial in this area is that we can, in some ways, we can actually help them more tangibly than in others. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, Ryan. It's a relationship. So whether it be with the therapist or the pastor or you as a parent, don't judge the child, judge the issue. Wow. The issue is the problem. The enemy is not the child. The enemy is the industry that's, that hmm. provides this. The service or the, the, the product. The yeah. product. And, the, and it's perverted. It's, you know, depravity. Yeah. And so, you know, loving that child, embracing that child, and saying, hey, we are here to love you wow. and to help you through this. But coming down and judging them and punishing them in such you know harsh manner, that only separates. Mm. That only that only alienates. And they're going to get more clever about how they're going to get it without you knowing. Mm. So this is huge because what I hear you zero, zeroing in on is the confirming and affirming in your child that their identity is secure as your as your son as your daughter. Their identity is secure and their relationship in our family and their, yeah, and their identity even in Christ is not even in Christ, but especially in Christ is secure. That's not, that's never going to change. That's fixed. Now, what is not okay. What is not secure is this behavior because it is, it's poison, it's darkness. And so really kind of being very careful to not just, not just respond and react to a certain set of behaviors that you find unacceptable. Yes. The behaviors are unacceptable. Looking at pornography is not acceptable, but being clear about, Drawing lines between the behavior and the person is what you're saying. Very much. Okay. But don't just focus on the negative behavior of pornography. Give them the pearls, the gold of what a healthy relationship wow. looks like. Love it. Take it to the next level. It's say, you know, hey, you know, mom and I, you know, I'm talking as a dad, but mom and I show each other respect and we give each other's opinions that that yeah. she that she has you know, it has validity and we respect each other's bodies. We respect the way that I treat her in public. I respect the way that I treat her physically. I yeah. respect her, you know, in love as Christ loves us. I love that. You know, so give the child, you know, show them the gold and show them the benefits of being pure and yeah. what that relationship looks like versus the dirty downgrading yeah. The aspect of it. Yeah, that's one of the things that we covered in our last episode is in this topic of sex, sexuality, sex in within marriage, a biblical context, but also sexual sin, we don't have to be on the defensive is what you're saying is we go on the offensive instead of just talking about all the darkness that you can avoid instead talk about the light that you can run toward and that is yes. God honoring covenantal bond with a spouse that you will enjoy for the rest of your lives, not just for a fleeting moment in your darkness of your room with your phone. And that's the goal that we want yeah. to teach them. That's amazing. I mean, that's the pearls that are going to give them the, fu the fulfilling life where they can live in freedom and they don't have to live in that bondage or get mm. married with that bondage around wow. them. 
No oh. chains. No chains. So there's another passage that you that you sent that I loved. It's from First Thessalonians, and it speaks to this. It says, uh, for this is the will of God. That's a big statement, by the way. <laughs> this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That's a huge statement. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And the part I wanted to kind of talk about in there is this idea that we are not caught up in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. So as a parent, I think part of calling them to that pearl, right? To that gold standard of yes. God's will is saying, you are not like everyone else. That Yeah, your friends might be saying, hey, look at this. Or they might say, it's no, it's no big deal. No one's getting hurt. That's usually an argument people will say around pornography. It's, it doesn't hurt anyone to watch a screen, which by the way, it does. You're fueling the industry and it exploits women and exploits children. But as the people of God, aside from the pragmatic reasons to avoid the sin, we are called to a different standard. But that standard, again, you know, is the pearl of being free mm. and having a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship, is so much more fulfilling. It's mm. so much more rich. It's so much more honest. And that's what we want to offer to them, is that give them something to look forward to that's better than mm. the pervertedness that's out there. Yeah. God gives us something much more free, much more beautiful. So does this happen in just one conversation? No, <laughs> no. So it's got to be an ongoing, honest dialogue. In other words, parents, we can't phone it in on this issue. We have to show up almost daily, if not, you know, for sure every day and talk to them about the richness that is to be found in God's way and God's word in contrast to kind of the lies that they might be tempted to believe as young people. There's a verse from Psalms 119 um, that I love. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. That's what we're talking about here. And then he goes on, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So there's this, a young man can keep his way pure by guarding his heart, a young man or woman. But then the, the psalmist has a, a, they're making a profession of faith. In my whole heart, with my whole heart I seek you. Now I am prone to wander. Let me not wander from your commandments. As parents, we can be aware of that. And then, what is the next statement? I find this really interesting. I have stored up your word in my heart. So it's an ongoing kind of making deposits into the heart with the word of God, with the truth of God, with the antidotes to these poisons or the anti-venoms, I should say, to the venom of, of pornography or the poison that it is. And so it's an ongoing conversation, I think is what I'm trying to say. And it's more than, I agree with that, Ryan, but it's more than just words. Mm-hmm. It's more than a conversation. Our example. Mm. You are. You got to show it. That's really good. They got to show it. They their their little eyes are not just watching, you know, the bad stuff. Their their eyes are watching you. Mm. How do you treat your wife and your husband? How do you interact in the kitchen? How do you resolve conflict? How do you talk in the car? Mm. How do you refer to them when you know you're talking about their their dad or their mom um, when their dad mom's not present? Are you honoring? Are you respectful? Mm. Are you loving, you know, even modeling repentance? Um, exactly. 
you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I repent to our, actually just, <laughs> just last night I was apologizing to our oldest because I lost patience. And, and so it's not, she's okay. She's the kind of girl that she would just forget about it and go on. She wouldn't hold it against you. And you know Della very well, of course. So, But I want to make a point of saying, no, that was a sinful behavior. I am repenting to you because sin is not, a, like, sin will not, we can't abide sin. We're not going to let it just kind of go unrepented of. And she's seeing that model. My prayer, my hope is that she will then, repentance will be, you know, second nature for her um, throughout life. So I want to touch on the last kind of line of questioning here, and it's, it's this. Now, transport, you know, a decade into the future. We've been talking about maybe young kids and some young teenage kids. But say you have a, you know, 16, 17-year-old son or daughter, and you know, whether it's in your gut or you've caught them, but you know that they are addicted to pornography. or And, and they don't, they're showing maybe signs of that darkness. They're depressed. They're, they're lashing out. They get angry. They're in, they have ang- anxious moments. They have anxiety. What can a parent do, even if the parent feels like they've they've missed all the years of doing that, making those deposits of the word, and they feel like they've missed it, and their kid is just getting further and further and further away into this addiction and away from them? What encouragements? What advice do you have as a, as a counselor for those parents? How to how to begin walking out of that addiction with their kids? First of all, it's never too late. It's never too late for us as adults. You know, may be addicted ourselves. Um, as adults, we need to say, you know. Well, how do I change it? And I really am convinced as a Christian counselor that it, it's not just behavior. It's a change of the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, where is that child's relationship with Jesus Christ? Where is their, you know, go back to the basics of, is he my savior? You know, do, do I understand that Jesus died for my sins and that I am a sinner? So it needs to go back to the heart. So taking away, just taking away their phone or restricting them from their phone, that, that sounds on the surface like the answer, but it's, it's more than that. Mm-hmm. It's helping them as a 17, 18-year-old to say, what's my lifestyle look like? What's my relationships with other people yeah. like? Yeah. Uh, now, I'm wondering now, I don't have any sons, but if the Lord, you know, if you bless me with a son, maybe one day I'll have sons-in-law. Uh, but the point is, is if I'm dealing with a son with this addiction, I don't know, my first instinct is to say, yeah, where's your heart in this? But also to say, I've been there. I know what the addiction is like. I know how dark and difficult it is, but I also know that I, we know the one who can walk you out of this into yes. your life. And can I walk alongside you in that, in your journey, right? As, can I hold your hand out of that addiction? And God wants to hold your hand. Yeah. Jesus wants to hold your hand. The power of prayer, to pray against this from your heart, that you really do want to have freedom from this. Hmm. And I believe that that 17-year-old, which we use an example, down deep, down deep, they want to be rid of it because it is a burden. Hmm. There is guilt. There is anxiety. And to say, I can live without this. So having them have healthy friends and be in healthy environments where they can be themselves beyond the secret Hmm. and be the men and women of God that they are intended to be is so much freer. It's so much freer. Is there a place for counseling or getting, you know, clinical help um, for addictions of this nature? Yes, there is. There is, Um, you know, finding a Christian counselor, you know, you can do that. Um, They're a little harder to find than regular counselors, 
But they're, they are out there. I mean, turns out there. And people can say, okay, start start with your church. Yeah. Um, start with your youth pastor. Find Get a referral from counselors that they know that are reputable. Um, reputable, yeah. You know, there are books out there. You know, the, we, I, my book, Conquering Pornography, is available on Amazon. And it's a good book because it's got scripture in it. And it's a multi-entry book. But it could, you know, a teenage boy or girl could read that book as much as an adult and get something out of those chapters. Yeah. Um, so I think there, there are resources you can plug into and say, let's work together. Let's struggle with this together. So uh, I just want to summarize. We, can't, we have to know we have to know where the lines in the sand are. Okay, We can't be blind ourselves to God's, the clarity around the fact that pornography is, in fact, evil. I know that sounds obvious to say, maybe to many of our listeners, but there are a lot of people that still question. They're, they're ambiguous in their minds about whether or not it's actually a bad thing. And we're here to say unequivocally, it's evil, it's sinful, it's terrible, it's bad, it's poison. That's the first step. The next step is to have open conversation. In other words, call the spade a spade with your child. In other words, be vulnerable with them. Get to the heart of the issue by asking questions. Don't just address the behavior. And then as you begin walking out of it, look at the heart and then Realize that you can't do it alone. You mentioned, I love that you mentioned, uh, go to your church, Christian community, other brothers and sisters. And the other kind of salve in this is that you're not alone. You're right. not the only parents dealing with this. They're not the only teenager dealing with this. And frankly, the more the more openly we deal with it together, the more victory we're going to have in this area. And by God's grace, we might even t- turn the tide in the church. So we're no longer on the defensive, but we're now making headway against it in the church. So get help and through the church, get help through counseling. Um, and then rinse and repeat. <laughs> right? And show them the gold. That's what we've been saying show here. Show them the gold. I love it. We've been showing, talking about today. Show them the the benefits of living a pure life. The benefits and the, the rewards of mm-hmm. having a healthy relationship and a healthy sexuality. Yeah. You know, show them the better way. You know, why would I give up the pornography unless you give me something better to put in its place? Yeah, and that's where maybe, depending on the age of your child, you can start to just, I mean, you talked about how you, you and mom, and I've seen this my whole lives, is you you guys love each other. And yes. you, you you laugh together, and you respect her, and you draw the best out of each other. And that's a very unique thing, and that was a huge example for Selena and myself. And so I think as parents listening to this, let your marriage be on display, and, and even let it let this thought even improve how you interact with one another. One of the epiphanies we had in our own marriage is I just I I wanted to show my daughters so much more clearly how a loving husband communicates. And you can get so casual with our communication toward one another. And I had gotten far too casual with Selena in that I wasn't in, in an impatient moment or in a rushed moment I might be rude to her and considerate. And I just I grew to despise that in myself. And so I told Selena like I don't want that to be the norm. And so Knowing that my daughters are watching, knowing that they're going to see that modeled really sharpened me as a man to be a better man. Yes. Um, and I think that could that could go for here as well. Being an exemplar of what that gold looks like is what I hear you saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. you can't do it by yourself. No. You know, you were a community. And so, you know, iron sharpens iron. Of course. So, you know, I need to be around other men that are also going to encourage me mm-hmm. and I'm going to encourage them and be in fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, get strength from each other and from the Word of God and from prayer, and it's a battle. It is a battle, but we can win. Mm-hmm. We have hope. 
mm-hmm. and we have the Lord on our side. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can beat the the evil that's out there. Yeah. Christ already beat it on the cross. Yeah. It's you know uh, the resurrection and the blood of Christ. We've already won. So yeah. claim that victory yeah. and hold on to that rather than hold on to the bad. Yeah, I love it. I love the analogy of, um, it's not an analogy, but the story of David and Goliath. And so often we'll, uh, in Christian culture, specifically in the West in the last 50 years, it's been, hey, slay your giants, right? There's some truth to that, but I think the primary reading of that text is that, you know, Christ is the greater David. He has slain the giant and he he is the hero of the story, right? But here's the other thing is once David slayed that giant, which would be death, which would be sin, which would be the, the effects of sin on our lives and Christ rec- resurrected. Once Christ slayed that giant, once David slayed, slayed Goliath, what happened? The Israelites ran into battle. So here we are. The, the decisive victory has been won. Christ on the cross, resurrected, ascended. That is complete. That work is complete. However, the battle's still raging. The decisive victory is there, but we're still swinging our swords. And that's what I hear you saying is that we we can we can rest in the decisive victory of Christ and go fight with confidence that we are already on the winning side though that victory is has yet to be fully realized here and now until until glory. Yes. Yeah. Very much. Awesome. Well, Dad, thank you for joining me. I hope this was a helpful conversation to our listeners. I know I, I had a fun time talking to you in this context. Thank you. We've had I a lot of conversations, it. and I, many of them I've, I've wished to have them recorded, so maybe we'll do this again. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Parenting Podcast. For more resources, visit fierceparenting.com, and for daily encouragement, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to support this ministry, please leave a rating or a review in your podcast app or visit patreon.com slash fierce parenting to become a monthly partner. We hope this episode has blessed you immensely. Take care.